Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Mike Campbell. Mike is a Sydney-based personal trainer coach and food expert. He's the author of Unleash Your Alpha, Eat Like a Man, Train Like a Beast, Operate Like a Gentleman, and Become a Legend, available on Amazon. He also has two ebooks for free on his website. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good to be here. Mike, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about your book, Unleash Your Alpha. What's the premise? Where did the idea come from? Sure. So where it came from is, I don't know, perhaps maybe a bit of a convoluted story, but really it's come about through a, a slow evolution of both me as a man and as a trainer and coach. So I've been um, training and coaching people from around the world for 10 years now. You know, I've had a lot of success and so on. And, and I kind of realized that I'd largely always dealt with the same audience, which was professional men. And one of the things there is that, or one of the other realizations I had was that largely this group of men have the same issues, the same problems, the same characteristics just keep coming up. And, and I kind of, you know, realized that I'd been... I'd been dealing with that, I suppose, for, for about 10 years. And, and one of the biggest things there being that there is just so much confusion, confusing information um, around health and fitness. And, you know, when I see the experts struggling and arguing on it day to day, I just know how, how tricky and confusing that is for the average guy. So that being kind of the big one. And the other ones, I suppose, uh, and, and it's pretty obvious, you just got to step into any public spaces just how out of condition we are as a population and you know obesity rates um, and disease rates the world over are, are astronomical and you know the average man is kind of in poor shape and that really floods over to other areas of his life so you know illness and disease and so on but but also his confidence um, you know his general level of happiness you know for example here in Australia Depression and suicide rates in men between the ages of 35 and 44 are just beyond belief. Like It's quite frightening. But again, it's not necessarily that um, extreme for some guys. It's just a, a level of clocking in 9 to 5, day to day, and just not really that satisfied with the life. So for me, the book and the business and everything I do was about trying to, first of all, redefine this term alpha to be its original definition of a leader. A gentleman, you know, someone who knows his own path and, and he follows it. Uh, but it's about simplifying that information around health and fitness for men and helping them get in great shape, not just physically, but in all areas of their life. And, and obviously, as the title goes, to unleash their own inner alpha male. Okay, Mike, I'm following you. So let's say that there's somebody who's listening to this and they want to look like the vision or society's vision of what it is to be an alpha male. They want to have that big chest and they want to have those ripped arms and they don't know where they should start. What do they need to do? Well, he needs to do many things. And of course it depends, right? Um, I'm one of those people I have to say it depends. It depends on many things, but one being your entry point, right? Everyone starts at a different point, but also it's really important to, to remember, I suppose that everyone has a continual continually evolving journey. So, you know, you, you make some changes, you do some things, you always got to keep working on yourself. There's never an end point. It's about a journey and, and it's kind of about continuing to, to work on yourself. But 
that aside, obviously there's key nutrition and training elements, right? That that's the big things that that everyone is going on about, and it's the obvious stuff when it comes to getting in good shape. But for me, and again, this is where I come back to the amount of information and stuff out there. I think it's it's confusing. There's too much of it, and Really, when it comes to nutrition and training, it should be nice and simple. It really should be nice and simple. The main thing for me that guys need to work on in order to eventually get their body and health to somewhere they want to be is their head. Where's your head at? What's your mindset like? Because without having that real buy-in of both what you're wanting to get and why, then it just simply won't happen. You know, I could take you through every training session and cook you every meal, but if you haven't bought in and you don't have that why nailed down yourself, then it's just not going to last. So what you're saying is that the first foundation is mindset, that you have a clear and compelling reason to get into the type of shape that you're saying that you want to get into. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what, you know, once you kind of really pinpoint what it is you want to do and why, then that can actually take place in your life and in your list of priorities. But if it doesn't, you know, if you... If you say you value health, you know, and say freedom and your health and so on, but your actions don't reflect that, then it's never going to happen. So it's about really pinpointing that stuff. That's an interesting term. You said freedom in your health. And I think that a lot of the guys who are listening to this might say, well, freedom in your health, like that, it's not freedom. Like it's, you're going to tell me that I'm only allowed to eat like nuts and cherries and uh, I'm going to have to spend 12 hours a week in the gym. Um, that sounds like very confining so uh, well, i mean what do you say to, to kind of those guys who look at fitness like as uh, not freedom but as a constraint exactly so so again what i would say is um probably your information is a bit off and um and again it might depend on on who you are and where you're currently at but for the most part like i said that the training and the nutrition stuff should be simple you know you should be able to Relax, you know, a few times a week and have a meal out with friends or have a couple of beers. You should be able to train four times a week and make it sure it's with purpose but not spend, you know, two hours a day every day in the gym. It's about finding a balance and that's, I suppose, an overused term, but it's true. You know, for, for this stuff to really work and for it to be something you enjoy and that is simply part of your lifestyle, it shouldn't be a chore because when it's a chore, it, it will never last. It will never get you to where you want to be because you look at it from a, from a bad point of view. You said diet should be simple. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the elements that make up great diet? Sure. It should be simple. Again, sometimes it's pretty tricky because, you know, you just got to turn on the TV or look in from the back of any bus driving around the street to see ads and so on that, that are in our faces. But for me, nutrition should be incredibly simple. Um, and, and I'll use the term paleo just because most people can kind of recognize it and know what it means, but I certainly don't um, you know, support it necessarily or advocate it. But on the whole, as a general principle, that kind of approach is what we're looking for. And by that, I mean plenty of fresh vegetables, a really good quality source of, of uh, and good amount of, of protein. So meats, you know, obviously seafood as well, um, and eggs. Uh, and then really good quality sources of fats. So, you know, we're talking about things like avocado, olive oils, coconut oils, uh, nuts, eggs. Uh, and then obviously fruits, seeds, um, you know, and, and some grains. But if you think about what I just said, it's, it's just comes down to, you know, nice natural kind of whole foods. Meat, veg, fruit, nuts, eggs. 
for the most part, right? If you can aim to hit 90% of your nutrition with that stuff, in reality, you'll probably hit closer to 80, 85. Um, and that gives you that kind of 80, 20 rule, but I, I recommend that aiming for 90. And then the rest of the time, as long as you're not completely blowing out on the amount, because then obviously it would take it past that 10, 15 percent you can just relax off a bit more as long as you're nailing the uh, the foundation. Mike, another question I have for you is in regards to time. I think a lot of the guys who are listening to this who really want to get into great shape, but they've never gone through this process, they don't know how long they're supposed to spend in the gym, how long it's going to take. So how long does it take? How much time do we need to invest if we want to have that idealized body that we see in men's health and GQ ads and, and Amber Crombie ads? Look, one of the things that that I think, yeah, like you kind of alluded to, puts a lot of guys off, but they think that it needs to be hours upon hours. And that is not necessarily the case and, and most likely false. What does need to happen is you need to work hard. You really do need to work hard and you need to train with purpose. But that doesn't always mean, you know, like completely flogging yourself. It just means being effective and having a purpose when you go into the gym. Or, you know, if you're, if you're out going for a run or, 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 you know, doing some stair sprints or something like that. But for most guys, it's about initially getting that habit going. So I don't really care what you do initially. If you're not training, then all you need to do is start training. So the first thing is getting that habit. So let's say four times a week, you've got to allow 45 minutes. If you can do that, first of all, and that's an achievement, awesome. From there, we can start to get more specific with what you do. So I very much recommend that guys need to be lifting weights. They need to be resistance training uh, and starting to promote both suppose, retaining any muscles they do have, promoting a bit of new muscle, and obviously with that promoting uh, the, the, the burning of body fat. But one of the big things we're looking to do there is, is what's happening internally with your hormones and stuff. And we don't need to get into that, but it's just important to realize that there is more to the equation of fat and muscle and there's hormonal stuff and physiological stuff happening that we want to try and promote which is where lifting weights and high-intensity exercise comes in. Mike, I think it's worth talking about some of this hormonal stuff, so let's get into it. Sure. So, I mean, obviously, there's a few obvious things, and one of the most obvious ones as men uh, we know is testosterone. It gets thrown around, and, and funnily enough, you know, it, it usually gets thrown around in a negative connotation of, ah, oh, you know, it was just a bunch of guys sitting around, testosterone-fueled, whatever. Um, and I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, as a kid, I, I kind of thought that testosterone was all about, you know, the, the silverback gorilla kind of banging his chest, but testosterone is so vital for our health, um, you know, let alone everything else, looking at our, uh, the strength of our, our bones and our connective tissue and muscles and so on. But the big ones for men, uh, testosterone and growth hormone, uh, and then insulin and cortisol. So what we want to do is we want to try and manage your insulin levels and that's, a lot of the time, which leads to people um, putting on weight and not, not having good control of their insulin. Uh, we want to promote growth hormone, which is um, kind of as it says, but that's also a key element of, of burning fat. And growth hormone, we should note, is peaks when you're, when you're asleep. So sleeping and, and getting good rest is a massive part of, of being a healthy guy and getting the body you want. Um, and if you are sleeping poorly or, or, or any kind of combination of, you know, perhaps um, traveling through time zones and, and that kind of stuff, your growth, your growth hormone will be disturbed and that will really affect your ability to, to get in good shape. Um, and then one of the other big ones 
is cortisol. Cortisol and adrenaline, our stress hormones. You know, a lot of people live in a, a state of quite constant, I suppose, raised cortisol. And, and on a basic level, cortisol is there to give us quick-acting energy. And it's when our what we call our sympathetic nervous system kicks in or our fight-or-flight response. So when those stress hormones comes in, come in, they're designed to give us quick energy. But what a lot of people do these days is they kind of live in a reasonably constant state of fight or flight. Not that they think that in their head, but they're very stressed. People tend to be very stressed, and, and psychologically, that will impact our physiology. And uh, with cortisol being high, it can promote, essentially, promote uh, fat storage around the body because we get too much energy in the bloodstream, it's got nowhere to go, and it starts to store it. Uh, as fat in, in a very kind of simple and, and non-scientific um, explanation. No, I mean, it's interesting. You, you talked a little bit about insulin. Can you explain to the listeners what insulin is and, and why it has an effect on men's weight? Insulin's a tricky one, but it's so common. So it's one of those things where, um, where I mean, its main role is to regulate blood sugar or blood glucose. So it's, it's secreted in response to carbohydrates and some proteins, entering the bloodstream, and, all, and so then those carbohydrates become blood glucose. So insulin's job is to help the body process the glucose by binding it to receptors in your cells to absorb the glucose from your bloodstream into the cell to be used as energy, right? But in a simple explanation there, a lot of carbohydrates or too much quick-acting proteins will increase all of that stuff. So what that means is that there's, there's essentially too much um, energy in the blood and it's got to be stored somewhere and quite often it will be stored as fat once it goes beyond simply filling up the muscles um, with glycogen. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I mean basically you have too many carbs, too many breads, uh, certain types of grains, it's going to increase. I mean they break down into sugars and uh, your body's going to store them and make you fat essentially, right? Yeah, and again, like there, there is a lot more to it, um, but in a sense, you know, we can tend to be very heavy on our carbohydrate intake, and, and that can kind of lead to putting on fat. And if I give you a very um, a very quick description, which is something I actually included in my book for this very reason to, uh, to simplify this process. So think of insulin as the bouncer to the club. So if you are insulin sensitive, the bouncer opens the door and the glucose moves on through to the party. If insulin resistant, the bouncer doesn't have glucose on the guest list. No glucose gets into the club, which is your muscle. So it stays out in the cold street that is your bloodstream. So the boss of your club, your pancreas, thinks more bouncers are need to deal with all this glucose and more insulin. So it releases more. Now you've got loads of bouncers and club goers, so loads of insulin, loads of blood glucose out in your blood, so out in the street, and neither going where they should. So the club, the muscle, is empty. It's void of energy. Party goes. It's void of energy. And so, therefore, it can't operate optimally. And what this leads to is a rocket fuel in the bloodstream of too much glucose, too much insulin. And then what comes from that is a myriad of effects, including fat storage and kind of the risk of, of a lot of diseases when we've got really high insulin and glucose in our blood. And then, obviously, the fat storage um, that results from that. Hope that helps. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. I think that a lot of the guys just get confused. I mean, recently we had a guy on here who is a kind of a, a old friend of mine, and he was in special forces, 
And he kind of gave a quick tip, and I thought it was like a pretty simple one. But he said, he was, you want a good uh, tip for shopping? And, and listen to that. I was like, yeah, what's that? And he said, when you walk into a grocery store, anything in the middle is suspect. He's like, anything around the, in the middle is suspect. He's like, you want to shop around the edges of the store. And that's meat, vegetables, nuts, got all the things that you talk about. I think that was a kind of a simple way to, to break it down for somebody who doesn't want to go back through high school biology. But I agree that it's so, so important to kind of have an understanding of how your body works. So something else I want to ask you, I notice, I mean, every once in a while I bulk up and, and I maybe I'll ask you some about some of my own personal challenges, like when I go through this process. But I also want to ask about some observations. One thing I notice is that, well, one, obviously when I work out from a sexual perspective, I would say that my hang time's a lot better. But especially I notice spikes in testosterone when I'm doing heavy weights and like squats, deadlifts, more compound lifts. And I, and this is something I've never read on, but it's something that I've kind of observed. I feel like I have spikes in testosterone when I'm doing these heavy compound lifts, especially around like my lower body or exercises with my lower body. I mean, is that something that's consistent with data? It is. Yeah. So, so when I talk about, you know, for the most part, we need to be lifting right now. On the whole, that means exactly what you just said, more compound movements as opposed to very isolated movements or that quintessential kind of, um, I suppose, bodybuilding stuff from, from a couple of decades ago. So, yeah, squats, deadlifts, um, you know, chin-ups. So we're kind of, we're kind of tall squat, talk squats, deadlifts, lunges, push-pull, which is push-ups, you know, shoulder press, chin-ups, rows, and all that kind of stuff. Big compound movements where we use a lot of muscles really do promote those anabolic hormones that I mentioned, growth hormone and testosterone. Um, and and uh, testosterone will, I mean, obviously, it, it's our man hormone, right? It, it's produced in the testes, and it's, it's, uh, it's a measure of a man to some degree. Like I said, it's so important for our health. And yes, you'll definitely find so many um, benefits from it, of course, um, sexually, both in terms of uh, having a normal and regular and healthy sex drive, uh, and then actually in the act. Um, and, and many men, certainly as you get over the age of kind of 30, 35, will naturally decrease why it's so important to, to keep it up through your lifestyle if you can. So in the specifics, big movements like squats and deadlifts are, are great for promoting those, those anabolic hormones like testosterone and growth hormone. First thing that comes to mind is clean and jerk. Yeah. I fucking hate them, but they are <laughs> the best exercise. Yeah, but it's the big ones. Exactly that. It's when you're using a lot of you know different muscles at once, essentially, a multi-joint, and also with a little bit of speed and power. So, so again, it becomes beyond the muscles. We're looking at your nervous system and, and also the type of muscle fiber um, that we're recruiting. If we're recruiting our, our sparse twitch muscle fibers, you know, that kind of does that as well. But again, we don't really need to get that complex. As long as you're lifting, you're doing nice com- compound movements like squats, deadlifts, cleans, like you said, you know, chin-ups, push-ups, overhead presses, and that kind of stuff. Um, you're going to be working towards promoting those good hormones. Something else I notice is I'll lean down, right? And I'll essentially go on paleo. Basically, I'll eat non-processed foods, no sodas, no juices, just like mostly water, coconut water, cook lots of vegetables and um, eat as many as I can in a raw form. Lots of lean meats, fish, chicken, uh, red meat when my body craves it. And if I do this for about three months of lifting, running, three, three and a half months, I mean, I get super shredded. But then after four or five months, I find that my body starts craving some of these fattier foods. 
literally like I can't sleep because I'm like shaky. And I've assumed that it means that I'm not consuming enough calories, but I'm not sure. And so I never really know how to deal with that. And then I start eating shitty foods and then I'm, then I go through this process again. So how does it, how do you kind of find a balance there? The most, well, look, again, it depends, right? So many things can be going on, but the most important thing uh, that you said there is you notice. Now, the reason I say that is because so many people don't notice. They don't pay attention to what's going on. Once you eat something, how do you feel, right? Are you putting on weight? Are you lethargic? Are you energetic? If you can actually pay attention to both, you know, what's happening with the food you eat and the training you do and your sleep and your stress and so on, then you're going to start to be able to figure this stuff out because without having an awareness around that, you're kind of pissing it to the wind, to be honest. So you're aware of it, which is awesome. And your body is smart. It is telling you, yeah, dude, we probably need some more, right? So that, that's going to be, the, I think, the best um, strategy long-term for knowing how much food to eat. You know, of course, you can count calories and stuff like that, but I don't really promote that because I think um, it doesn't really promote compliance in the long-term unless you're that way oriented. Yeah, I never count calories. When I lean down, I just eat really healthy foods, and it just seems to happen. Energy control, energy balance control is something that body tries to do. If you're eating too much, it will it will try and promote you to move. Um, and if you're not, it will try and save on energy and, and have you you know sit still. With that's where lethargy and, and so on comes in. But again, that's getting a bit more complex. It's getting into the hormones again. For you, you might just be going. You might have maybe cut down on uh, on carbohydrate. And like we kind of talked about before, we, we kind of mentioned that with insulin. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't eat carbs, not at all, but really good sources from, from things like root vegetables, and you'll get heaps from your normal vegetables anyway. But for you, it might get to a point where, where you've dropped down on that, and, and you simply need to introduce more carbohydrates in the form of you know good quality um, vegetables and root vegetables. And you know the odd starchy thing, like you know if you're going to have some rice, um, you know some good quality kind of bakery sourdough bread, you know, a couple times a week, right? That's not the end of the world, especially if you're lean, you can totally do that. If you're 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight and wanting to drop that body fat, that's when you've got to change things a little bit. But if your body's saying, hey, dude, uh, I feel like I haven't got enough energy or I feel like I'm hungry, then, again, you're really lean when you're talking about this, so you simply need to answer it and go, cool, there's some more food. What do you have? Again, without getting too specific and knowing your, your case, I would say you just need to have a bit more of everything. So you probably need to introduce some more starchy carbs. You probably need to have a little bit more fat, and you may need to have a little bit more protein. But the wrong thing, obviously, is to go, fuck it, let's just have heaps of shitty, fatty foods. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, 
if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Something else you talked a little bit about was working out with purpose. Can you explain what that means? Sure. So my basic motto when it comes to training is train often, train hard, and train with purpose. And you could probably think, okay, well, isn't training hard and training with purpose the same thing? And, and the reason I have them, I suppose, differentiate them, for the most part, I think people need to train hard, right? We're talking about like balls to the wall, some intensity, work hard. It should be hard work. Now, that's not always the case, and that's where purpose comes in. You know, if you are, if you are training for pure strength, for example, then you're going to be lifting heavy, you're going to be having long rest periods, and it's probably going to be not that taxing on you uh, in terms of finishing the session, you know, having sweated your ass off or something. But there's a purpose to what you're doing. So other times you might have had, you know, an intense four week of, of a lot of intensity. So the purpose of your next week is going to be to deload, chill out a little bit more, you know, lift, lift sub-max weights, nothing too challenging, do a bit more mobility, uh, and have some, some different purpose to your session. Mike, how important is planning your sessions? To be honest, this is a, this is a large scale because I think, first of all, it depends on the person because some people can't work through a plan and therefore it's kind of pointless, right? Some people need a plan. They have to work through a plan or they don't comply. So obviously you need a plan. So, so that's where it will depend on the person. But I would say for most guys, it's really important to have some form of training program or plan because A, it's, it's taken care for you. It's taken care of, right? So when you go to the gym or when you've got your training session, it's there. You know what you're doing. There's no fluffing around. There's no what do I do, wasting time. Again, you're coming in with that purpose. And one of the other big things there is that so you have room and a plan for progression, because to haphazardly work out or exercise uh, may 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 work, right? May see some changes, may see some progress, but but in the long run, that's when you're more likely to hit a plateau because there hasn't been that natural progressive overload, is the term that we use, um, in order in order to, to keep progressing. So, and and that's for me the difference between exercising and, and working out and training, right? Training has a purpose, and for the most part, a plan to it. So can you talk a little bit about progressive overload? Sure. So the real simple example of progressive overload would be uh, doing one more rep uh, or on, on a set each workout or you know, lifting a little bit heavier. Um, you, know, you added five pounds to what you lifted last week. Right? You're progressively overloading the system in order for it to adapt and, and accommodate and, and get used to it and get stronger, get bigger, and so on. But there is many different ways of progressively overloading. For example, you can look at one specific exercise in amongst the workout. You can look at the entire workout, right? In the entire workout, I got, you know, I got 200 pounds more lifted than I did the last workout. So you have done a little bit more. Or I lifted the exact same amount of, of, of load. I did the exact same amount of work, but I did it in five minutes less time. So for me, you have overloaded your system and you're improving. What that means is that next week you might be able to 
uh, increase the rest at the same time, but add more load, and then again, you're progressively overloading in a different way. Does that make sense? So there's many different ways, but it's, a, it's the principle of doing more with each workout, or, or certainly over time. You know, one, one workout might be the same for three weeks in a row, and then the fourth week, bang, you've hit some new levels. I mean, one of the things I've done, I have like an iPhone app and I go into the workout and I have a six day plan where I kind of alternate three different sections of the, of the body. I break the body up into three different sections. And then when I go in, I tr- like, I already know what exercise I'm going to do. And then, um, every week I will try to either increase every time I do that body part again, I try to either increase the weight depends on what body part, five to 10 pounds, a set or a rep, right? So like I'll come in and try to do like six of a particular weight on bench press. The next week I'll try to do, or the next time I do that body part, I'll, I'll do like three sets of six. The next week I'll do four sets of six and then I'll do three sets of eight and then I'll try to bump the weight or something like that, which is kind of sounds similar to what you're suggesting. It makes me ask a question about weight. So I have friends who do like 30 reps of, of, of a weight and then I have other friends who are like, don't ever do more than six. Should men be doing lots of reps or should they be doing lower reps? What do you think is the way to the promised land? Sure. And, and again, like this is the, the quintessential. There's, there's many ways to skin a cat. Of course, I've never actually seen a cat skin. But when it comes to lifting, my, my general take for, for, I suppose, most guys, because again, this is where individuality is so important. But for me to program um, for endless guys, which is obviously something I did in my book, there's, there's 18 weeks of programming in there. The, the general principle is covering a bit of everything, right? We want and need you to get strong. Like there, there's absolutely no doubt. You, as you age, you've you got to get strong. You've got to keep your muscles, your bones, and your connective tissue uh, strong. And, and for, again, hormonally and all that kind of stuff. So for strength, it's about lifting heavy with smaller reps. So that's where you would start your session, right? If you're an absolute newbie, then you would totally lighten it and, and go for a few more reps. But let's say we're going to look at five sets of five for kind of a quintessential strength. That's how you'd start your session. So you might be squatting, you do five sets of five. And that's going to be a heavier rep, which heaviest uh, weight, sorry, which you'll work through those sets to reach the heavier point towards the last couple. Then you might shift um, for, for your next two exercises, you might pair a couple together. So you've done a squat, now you might do a deadlift and a lunge, and you might do four sets of kind of eight to ten. So you see we've increased the reps and obviously decreased the weight relative to if we were doing less. Uh, then for the end of the workout, you might pair two more exercises together. You know, you might do something like a leg press and like a, a reverse hyperextension or something. Again, so what I'm doing here is a bit of a leg workout covering both the, the quads and the glutes and hammies kind of. And with those ones, you might increase it out. You might go three sets of 12 to 15 reps. So we've started heavy. We've gone more towards the middle in our kind of muscle building range. And then at the end, we've gone more out into a bit of endurance and so on. And what you do is you'd be starting in the strength stuff with a lot more rest. You decrease the, re- the, the rest in the middle. And at the end, the rest should be really, really short because what we're looking to do with those higher rep numbers is create a, lac- a high lactate environment. And that high lactate environment is what helps to promote that hormonal stuff that we were talking about later. And you can see with that session, we've kind of covered all our bases. It also keeps it quite, quite interesting, right, because you are doing different stuff throughout a session. You get that real nice element of, of pushing heavy weight initially. Uh, and then you can finish quite exhausted with, with quite a bit of intensity. And you can see there's a different purpose throughout, 
the whole workout, but overall there's one specific purpose, yeah. I have another question for you, Mike. How about guys who are struggling with boredom? Do they start getting in really good shape and then they just kind of get bored? How do you stay motivated once you actually you have the body you want and then you lose it because you uh already had your had the body you want <laughs> look this is common man and and one of the things i suppose i try and promote to to my clients obviously as i said early on i work with guys um pretty common pretty common situations and and issues and problems uh that we all kind of face but one of the things that most men are good at is is working on projects right whether it be at home, at work, you know, we're quite good at putting our heads in, into projects. But one thing we don't do is we don't treat ourselves as a project very well. And a lot of guys do, right? They, they work on it, they get in good shape. So what I kind of try and encourage there is you're the project. Work on yourself, right? You're the most important project because, shit, you've only got one life, one body, one health. So work on yourself as that project. Now, if you get to a point in your project where, like you said, you've got into good shape and all of a sudden you get a bit bored, then the project's stale, right? It needs it needs a change. It needs a new element. And for the most part, that's just going to be a different kind of challenge. So as a real simple example myself, you know, I'm 32. Um, I've been working as a trainer for 10 years. I was an incredibly active youth playing um, very competitive level, level rugby. I've been training for years. So I've kind of done some of the same movements and exercises a lot. So what I want to do is obviously continue to challenge myself. So there's, there's ways that I do it. But at the moment, in the last kind of couple of years, I've really, I suppose, found uh, a, a cool little challenge in a lot of gymnastics stuff. And the reason I like it so much is because there's kind of endless room for progression. One day I can nail something, the next I'm trying something new and I'm completely flawed. So again, for me, it's a great way of, of starting off boredom and, and keeping the challenge alive but it needn't be you know something like gymnastics but it's about finding a new challenge that you can continue to, to add to the project to, to make it kind of you know worthwhile I, I think it's great advice well what are some of the i mean you said gymnastics what are some other areas that guys could get involved in i mean i think immediately think of maybe running a marathon or something but i'm sure that there's like you probably have more ideas of things that guys could do yeah and like you say marathon right and that was kind of one of the the easiest things to come up with until not too long ago because now there are so many you know random events right like you got to look at all the, the tough mudders and all those obstacle course um events you know they're pretty cool and they and they are and the things that you also generally do with other people bit of a community so that stuff really helps and it's quite a cool challenge to do something quite different and you're actually putting all your training into good use getting outside and you know doing all sorts of crazy shit and obstacle courses i think those can be a really cool um cool challenge for a lot of guys but yeah i mean obviously you've got things like marathons and stuff but again you can just look at any kind of event that you actually work towards and it gives your training meaning and it gives it purpose as opposed to just getting into the gym and, and trying to look good um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's different things and, and there's different ways of lifting as well. So as you said earlier, clean and jerks, right? So Olympic lifting is, is a pretty technical, um, and very challenging, you know, um, I suppose sport, but, but movements themselves are very challenging. So, uh, myself again, for example, I can continually learn and improve when it comes to my Olympic lifts. So I can kind of never really get bored of them because there's always room to go up. And, you know, when you all of a sudden get, you know, like 220 pounds over your head, that's a massive achievement. Whereas if you're just, you know, doing some squats, okay, cool. So, you know, you can you can look in the gym for, for, for new challenges as well. 
So Mike, you're suggesting having a goal, for example, setting a goal weight as a lift and then working towards that weight. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of guys do just train for aesthetics, which is fine. And, and like I said earlier, the most important thing for me is about getting your head in the right place and knowing what you're working towards and why. That doesn't mean that you don't have superficial or aesthetic goals, like I want to have a six-pack. That's cool. That, that's totally fine. We want to know why you want that. Like when you know the why, then doing the work becomes so much easier. So if you've got, um, you know, if the why is what you're working towards, awesome. If you've got little things along the way, like perhaps, you know, squatting 220 pounds, for example, or whatever it may be, then there's little things all the way to be to be working towards, little short-term goals, and, and it's really important to acknowledge those little wins as well. But it's just always having always having a marker to work towards and, and then making sure, you, again, you can continually progress. That's awesome suggestion, and I can see so many places, even in my own training, where that's applicable. I know, Mike, in my own life that I get really focused on getting in shape every time I am being considered to host a TV show which just happened from time to time. Networks hit me up and they say, hey, you know what, we want to consider you for this TV show. But it always gives me the why to allow me or allow me to allow myself to focus and really do the things that I know that I should be doing anyway. And actually, Mike, this leads me into another question I want to ask you about, which is trends. I know in New York, one of the trends that's super hot is CrossFit. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on CrossFit. It's massive. I know it's massive in the States. And the, the, the CrossFit Games are actually starting, uh, I think, in a, in a day or two um, over there in the States. It's also pretty big here in Australia. Um, and, I mean, it's kind of taking the world over. So I think it's one of those things um, that a lot of people uh, bag it out. But regardless of that, like, it's here to stay. So there's not much you can do about that. What do I specifically think of it? Look, I, I like it and I dislike it. Right, and, and there's varying levels there. One of the really, really important considerations for me when it comes to training is someone's ability and their training age. Right, I'm, I'm very big on uh, having an awareness of your body and how you're moving and working, you know, pushing yourself, but always working to your limits. And what I find with CrossFit is that it often brings in people who are not very experienced. Uh, trainers, so so what we would call that there is their training age is quite young, and throwing them into complex movements like we just spoke about. Olympic lifting movements are quite complex, and for example, using them to high repetitions, which I, I personally think is, is idiotic and should never be done. You never see an Olympic lifter doing that. So so oftentimes I think that the risk outweighs the reward. And for me, with any kind of training, you're always looking at what is that risk-to-reward ratio. And you always want the reward outweighing the risk. Now, if you're more experienced, of course, you can, you can play with that, that ratio a bit more. But that's where CrossFit um, sometimes falls down. However, the massive positive that I really, really do like with CrossFit is that there's a massive sense of community. People buy in and they love it and they encourage each other and they really do get into it. Because oftentimes we just walk into a gym, we have put heavy headphones on, we switch off, we do our own thing, and it becomes a bit of a chore. And like you said before, people get bored and so on. With CrossFit, you have that community, and I do really like that and admire it. It's great to get your perspectives on this stuff. One of the questions I have to ask for, and you kind of touched on it earlier, but we have one of the interns here. We're actually having a challenge 
uh, we're having a contest so you can get in the best shape over the course of three months. And one of the interns is really skinny and he says he cannot put on weight. And he's about 130 pounds. He's 26. So he's trying to figure out what to do other than take muscle shakes. So for a guy who's thinner, I know he's going to be listening to this podcast as soon as uh, he walks in the morning. For a guy who's thinner, what can he do to put on muscle and bulk? Yeah, so <laughs> no, you're screwed, man. No, I'm kidding. Um, so it's, it's the same for someone who's massive who wants to, to drop it, right? There is a way of doing it. you just got to sometimes do a little bit of research to what's going to work more specifically for you. And for a lot of guys, they hear about the skinny guy who can't put on weight. Man, I can't put on weight. And they think, fuck that guy. But it happens. <laughs> and, and, they, and, and with different body types, and yeah, different metabolisms and so on. These things happen, um, and and that's where training and food play a big part. But you can see he's a fast metabolizer of things. So what I would say to him and, and to skinny guys who are looking to put, to get bigger is we're trying to slow you down a little bit. So here's a good question initially: Do you drink coffee? How much coffee do you drink? Because one thing, obviously, coffee is a, a, it stimulates you, right? It's a stimulant. So I would say for someone like that, really cut down on the stimulants. Because, um, you know, you, all of a sudden you ask questions of guys and they're like, yeah, I'm taking this kind of like fat burner. And it's like, well, that's a stimulant. Don't take that because it's, it's, it's killing your gain. Then the kind of training he does, he probably needs to slow down a bit and not do too much stuff with intensity. Um, so he wants to, you know, work on, work on strength, work, work on kind of classical hypertrophy, um, you know, three to four sets of kind of eight to 12 and that kind of stuff. And then he just needs to eat a lot, but he probably needs to eat a lot more carbs. So we talked earlier about carbohydrates. For someone like him, he probably needs to eat a lot more. And a general guideline is, again, you could you could measure the calories and so on, but just eat, man. you you got to eat. And if you start to get fat, cool. That's giving you an indication that perhaps back off the calories a little bit, right? Because obviously, if you're doing the training, we want you to put on muscular size. Um, but if you're not putting on body fat, and then you're not eating enough, right? Obviously, there's a fine line there. But that, that's going to be your, your, your ceiling to indicate, okay, back off the calories a little bit, and then hopefully that's my level. But for most guys, they're just not eating enough. Now, that's a tricky one because sometimes your digestive system can't handle all that food. So the other really important thing is to make sure that you're supporting your gut health you know, having probiotics, eating fermented foods will help um, with your gut health because you're going to be eating a lot more food, so you need to be able to digest it and break it down. What are some good probiotics? Uh, well, that's hard, right, because I'm sure there's many different products um, in the U.S. which I have no, <laughs> no awareness of. But for the most part, what we're looking for is good bacteria, right? So a, a supplement, um, I don't know any, any brands or labels in the U.S., but for the most part, if you go into a good health food store or, or vitamin or supplement store, um, good products are in the refrigerator because they need to be refrigerated. So that's probably a good start. And then I would say is ask, not your, not your classical like vitamin supplement store, but we're talking more your kind of health food um, vitamin stores. The experts can usually help you out there if it's in the fridge. Outside of that, we're talking about food, right, that has this probiotic uh, stuff in it, the, the good bacteria. So fermented foods, right? Any kind of fermented foods, but the, the easy and simple ones to get are things like sauerkraut and kimchi. Uh, but you can get other little fermented 
drinks and juices, things like kefir, which is like fermented yogurt, and, and, and again, a massive array of fermented foods. And a really, really good one to help out um, with gut health is something called apple cider vinegar. So you can usually get that in a lot of places. And, and what you do with that is just have um, a small amount, like a little teaspoon uh, and, and a mouthful of water. Just have that before each meal. So, for example, myself, in the morning before I have breakfast, I have my fish oil capsules, I have my vitamin D capsules with a mouthful of water and apple cider vinegar. And that starts me off the day before I have my brekkie uh, and really gets my gut kind of, you know, ready and, and waiting and, and to digest the food that I'm about to eat. Mike, I'm curious what you think about supplements because I feel like a lot of people in the United States have been sold on the idea that they need to take supplements nonstop. It's a big industry. Yeah, it is a big industry. How important are supplements? Do we need them? Can we get it all from our natural foods? What's the deal with that? Yeah, so... I mean, again, this is a depends, right? Supplements are massively important, or they're not at all. It just It's really going to depend on, on, on you and your diet. So I would say that in the States, probably more so with certain um, things that you're just not going to get in your diet, even if you're, you're killing it, you know, you're hitting that 90% of quality food like we spoke about earlier. Um, do you need things like protein powders and those kind of, yeah, tacky, hey, look at me, buy me supplements? Probably not. Uh, a good quality protein powder is, is probably all I would really recommend for most guys there, and that's more so just for convenience um, when it comes to post-workout. Um, you know, it's not absolutely vital that you get a protein shake in after your workout, but for a lot of guys in that first hour or so, having a meal is either you know, it's not really that enjoyable or it's not realistic. And, and that's where a good quality protein powder will come in. Outside of that, I think a lot of people in their diet will be lacking um, a few things. For most guys, and again, this comes down to helping our recovery, helping our hormonal system and so on, we can look at getting a good quality um, source of magnesium, good quality source of zinc, and a good quality source of vitamin D. Those things generally we kind of can't get enough of in a diet. And again, if we live quite busy lives and we do train, again, often hard and with purpose, then they are really needed. And the other one, um, apart from the gut health stuff as we just spoke about and I mentioned it, is the good quality fish oil or omega-3s, but, but mostly from fish oil. What's the importance of omega-3s? So omega-3s is something that we generally don't get enough of in a diet these days because the food that we're eating, both you know, vegetation and animals doesn't contain anywhere near as much as it used to. Uh, and, you know, the soil's not as nutrient dense, so the vegetables don't have it. And obviously, that means the animals are eating um, the grass and so on from the soil, so they're not getting it in them. So we really do lack. And so, what, again, I don't want to get too complicated with the science and stuff because I think it's boring for guys who don't really care about it. but but when it comes to omega-3s, there's also omega-6s and omega-9s. And most days, most people these days have an imbalance with their intake of omegas and they'll have way too high on their omega-6s. A lot of that coming from things like vegetable oils, which I totally recommend to avoid, and not getting enough omega-3s. We want that omega-3 balance to be a lot higher. And, and they're just so good for our general health. Looking at brain health, um, you know, skin, nail, hair, uh, in terms of um, r really good natural anti-inflammatory. So, so again, for anyone getting a little bit older and, or, or training hard, 
Um, fish oils are invaluable. But again, it's got to be coming from a good source, right? It's got to be coming from wild fish. It's low in mercury. And it's important, just like your food, to get it from a good source. Mike, one of the other things that we were talking about as a team before we jumped on this call as we were preparing for this interview was about how important exercise is in helping our bodies to prepare for stress. For a lot of guys who are listening to this podcast, they're ambitious, they're taking on the world, they're taking on new projects, they're trying new things, and that creates a certain level of stress in their lives. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how important exercise is in helping a man to deal with stressful situations that inevitably will come up over the course of all of our lives. Sure. So uh, what I should should quickly touch on is, you know, we've spoken obviously about mindset and nutrition and training. And for me, you know, my book, Eat Like a Man, Train Like a Beast, Operate Like a Gentleman, and Become a Legend. There's five key pillars for that, right? For me, it's about mindset, nutrition, training, which we've all touched on. Lifestyle, which is our stress, our sleep, and, you know, just enjoying life. And for me, it's number five, man skills, right? The finer points of being a man. And that's obviously some of the stuff that you guys um, cover with Craft Rhythm, which I think is really cool. And, you know, we're there, we're talking about confidence, talking about your personal brand and that kind of stuff. But outside of that, in terms of your health and your well-being, one of the big points that so many people miss is stress and sleep. And it is absolutely vital to, A, be getting enough quality sleep, and B, managing your unnecessary stress. And we kind of spoke about stress a little bit earlier in terms of cortisol and fight and flight and all that. But it's just so important to put things into perspective and, and I suppose, give things their appropriate weight. And if it doesn't need it, then let it go. Move on to things that you enjoy. Give things their place and manage stress. Because like we said, with the cortisol and your stress hormones and so on in your body, it's not helping you. And it's also going to, again, impact your sleep, which is so important. So, you know, like, for example, I have a lot of clients who, who travel a lot for work and that kind of stuff, and they can be still training, they can be eating well wherever they go, but they're not getting much sleep, they're crossing time zones, they're traveling heaps, they're up, traveling heaps, they're up early, they're up late, and there's so much stress that that's what totally has them hit a plateau or not continue to gain or even worse is actually um, taking backward steps. Mike, this has been absolutely awesome. I got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, if you're listening, you want to learn more about Mike, his books, his coaching, his products, uh, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so you can learn about him more easily. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, I hope that was helpful. And, and of course, if anyone's got questions about what I was spoken about today, feel free to the holler, give me a shout, and I'll help out where I can. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.